November 29th, 2008. Uh, it's not what you think, it's what you do. We're looking at lesson 13th. We're focusing on the word work. Let's open in prayer. Our Father, we do thank you for the time that we can spend together. We thank you that your word is a good and a sure word. Father, we thank you that you reveal yourself through us and your righteousness is revealed in your commandments. Father, may we ever be mindful of what you have given to us as a gift and may we cherish it. And Father, may we learn to obey you as evidence of our love for you. We pray in Yeshua's name. Amen. This is from the weekday service, uh, Shacharit, uh, blessings for the Shema. With an abundant love you have loved us, Lord our God. With exceedingly great pity you have pitied us, our Father, our King, for the sake of our forefathers who trusted in you, in whom you taught the decrees of life. May you be equally gracious to us and teach us. Our Father, the merciful Father who acts mercifully, have mercy upon us. Instill in our hearts to understand and elucidate, to listen, learn, teach, safeguard, perform, and fulfill all the words of your Torah's teaching with love. Enlighten our eyes in your Torah. Attach our hearts to your commandments and unify our hearts to love and fear your name. And may we not feel inner shame for all eternity because we have trusted in your great and awesome holy name. May we exalt and rejoice in your salvation. Bring us in peacefulness from the four corners of the earth and lead us with an upright pride to our land. For you affect salvations, O God. You have chosen us from among every people and tongue. And you have brought us close to your great name forever in truth to offer praiseful thanks to you and proclaim your oneness with love. Blessed are you, Lord, who chooses his people Israel with love. Amen. We're looking at Lesson 13, Work. I have a focus uh, scripture here is Exodus 20, verse 9. Six days shall you labor and do all thy work. And uh, the word labor there is avad. We saw that a few weeks ago. The word serve uh, or service was avodah. And do is the word asa. And that's uh, ayin, sin, or sheen with a dot on the far left side. Sin, hey. And that means either to work or to do. Just a simple work, uh, simple word that means just do it. Um, all thy work is melaka, which is employment or creative work, making something. And that's from Exodus chapter 20, verse 9. Last week, we, we, we looked at the word build. Uh, and in that word build, we saw how believers are instructed to build according to a pattern. The pattern, of course, is the life and lifestyle of Yeshua. And with that regard, God is building us up into a building, as it were, a building of his per- perfect bride for Yeshua. Uh, so in us, so we're replicating that on, on an individual basis uh, by following uh, Yeshua faithfully. We saw the build has no correlation to brick and mortar. That's man's counterfeit. Uh, man wants to find uh, monuments, build monuments uh, with his hands when God has instructed us to build according to the pattern that was given to us. And the pattern, of course, we know is the life of Yeshua. There's a negative side uh, in modern uh, in, in modern uh, groups that, uh, with regard to this word work, the plural noun, works. Uh, Martin Luther had a problem with, uh, with this idea of works. In fact, it became a very important part of uh, the Reformation, the Protestant Reformation, is to contrast uh, faith versus works. Uh, and so uh, Martin Luther had problems with the epistle uh, of James because of that. Uh, he called the epistle of James uh, just so much straw because within it we find uh, the, the phrase, faith without works is dead. But what we really need to understand is a correct understanding of what God does uh, and what we do, um, that they are in concert and work together. We're going to look at that.
First of all, that word work, uh, um, we saw do in Exodus 29, is the word asa. Ain, sin, hey. And it's often rendered either make or work or, or to do something, to do it. Uh, it's just simple, it's a simple act of the will. Just do it. Uh, a deliberate act, uh, um, something you choose to do. Um, the Septuagint uh, translate the Hebrew asa into poeo. Let's look at the first usages in Exodus 6, verse 7. Turn Exodus, Exodus chapter, excuse me, Exodus chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. Then God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the, uh, the, waters, from the waters. Thus God made the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, firmament, firmament and it was so. And that's, this, uh, that's the first usage of the word asa. And what we see here is that God worked, he worked the firmament, or he did the firmament. This is a, a, as an act of division between waters above and, a, and waters below. Uh, so he did, or he worked it. Um, the creative word asa here uh, gives, us, uh, gives us the idea that the correct asa, the correct doing, makes a division. It divides between things, or it, it divides things. Uh, what we understand also is this is a different usage. This is a different uh, creative word than we, that we see earlier in God's creation. Here he worked it. Other place we ta- it talks about him creating. This was actually something he did. He did it. Um, so it is a creative act, but it is, it is to do it. Um, it also shows here the specific purpose for what's being worked. Uh, there's no work for work's sake. Um, the idea of uh, digging a hole and then uh, after you've uh, dug the hole, putting all the dirt back in the hole and, and filling the hole back up. You know, this uh, idea of uh, work for work's sake is not being expressed here. It has a specific purpose. God accomplished a specific purpose in making this division between the waters, in doing it or working the w- water between the waters. The next usage we're going to see is uh, in Exodus uh, uh, 1, verse 11. Exodus 1, verse 11 says, And then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, that the herb, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit, according to its kind, whose seed is, is in itself, on the earth, and it was so. And here we see this, uh, this um, the idea that God created fruit trees, and it, he, he did them, he made them, but it says he worked them. Uh, for, for, excuse me, he created them for a specific purpose, and that is for them to work fruit. In other words, they worked fruit. Uh, they were created in order to work. The purpose for the trees was in order to have fruit. Um, so in, in verse 11, we see that where it talks about the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind. Yields is that word asa. Uh, it is the word work. So the fruit tree that works fruit according to its kind. Its purpose the purpose of the tree was, was in order to make fruit, so it had a purpose. Um, work is, uh, as we talked about in that first reference, work is something that divides something. And we saw this as a very important principle uh, in our study. We saw this as a very important principle in the tabernacle system. There was a dividing between uh, what was tamay, or that would, somebody, people would call that unclean or impure, what was tamay, and what was tahor, that which was clean or pure. There was a dividing. The people were instructed to, to, to separate between tamay and tahor, and also between, uh, between chol and 
Kaddish. Uh, and the, the Chol is what is, uh, what is uh, common, profane, and what is uh, uh, kad, uh, kad, Kadesh, or what is Kadosh, is holy. So we see uh, that the people and the priests were, the priests were to teach it to the people, the difference between Taman Tahor and between Chol and uh, Kadosh. Uh, we see this division, the ability to distinguish between things. Uh, we saw it also, this acting it out is something that we are, we're constantly involved in, in living a life of Messiah. We're constantly dividing between what is right and what is wrong. Uh, an example would be, we know what it is, what is food to eat and what is not food to eat. We know what to wear that is modest. We know what not to wear, which is immodest. We're constantly making these value judgments based on the Word of God, uh, sometimes not based upon the Word of God, but preferably based upon the Word of God. We're constantly making this division, deciding between things, choosing the best, choosing the thing that pleases God, choosing the things that are uh, consistent with his revealed will and his revealed righteousness as, as, as it is given to us in Scripture. It's, it's not a purpose. The purpose of, that God gave in this division was not to distinguish between spiritual versus earthly or real, as some people call it, versus spiritual. In other words, some people might say, well, the physical is not real, but the spiritual, that is real. So I always choose the spiritual. I never choose the, I never, never choose the physical. Uh, that, that actually is not, not a good view uh, from Scripture of this idea of division. Um, that, is a, that is a view that is more consistent with Greek philosophy than it is from uh, biblical, uh, biblical thought. Biblical thought uh, teaches that uh, things that are physical are, are, are mirrored in the spiritual world. That's true. But just because it's physical does not make it wrong or evil. Uh, at the same, in the same instance, just because something is invisible or spiritual does not make it right. Uh, something spiritual, for instance, might have, have to do with uh, um, the enemy. Uh, the devil or his demons. So uh, this idea of spiritual versus earthly is not something that, that God gave us as a, as, a, as, a, as a means by which to, uh, or something that we're supposed to divide. Instead, we're supposed to divide between what is man-centered or what is God-centered. Uh, we're supposed to make the choice for what is God-centered. Now, the problems come that in the Reformation, there, there were those that uh, threw off... Uh, the incorrect soteriology, the incorrect uh, view of salvation that, that, that was inherited from Catholicism and assumed that, that because saved by works and, and kept by works were pagan or, or were contrary to faith, that works themselves were bad as well. In other words, uh, anything that you do physically must be wrong and everything that, everything that is uh, or, or must have little value at the very least, whereas everything that went towards faith or thought-oriented or spiritual might be good. You can see how, how you can get confused and, and twisted in your, in your thinking this way, where something that's done becomes bad, whereas something that's thought or, or attested to or believed, as we use when use the word, is good. Uh, and this, this, comes, uh, this comes or is made much more uh, a sharp uh, uh, tack here was taken after, after and during the Reformation. One thing that we know, need to know is that, um, that there is a division that is important to understand. It's the difference between what we do or our works, what we assah, and what God does. Uh, or what God assas, if we want to uh, 
make an English variant of that verb. So what God works versus what we works, uh, or how they might work together. What we do know is that salvation is God's work alone. That it's by grace through faith. And there is there's, uh, nothing that we can do to approach God apart from His drawing us. He's the one that determines. He's the one that draws us. He's the one that calls us. He's the one that redeems us. He's done all that is necessary for our salvation. That's God's work. That's what He does. That's what He's done. Um, and it's His work alone. Uh, we, we, we add nothing to that. Having said that, uh, we are not left to do nothing. Um, in, in doing, or if we could make that English word, asaing, uh, what, he's, what he's already created and redeemed us for, and remember the fruit trees, we talked about the fruit trees, the, the tr- fruit trees were created for the purpose of having fruit, uh, and, and we understand, that, and this goes along with what we were talking about uh, last week, form follows function. Our form is, uh, he made us in order uh, to glorify him. He made us to do things to glorify him. So if he made us, and he created us for this purpose, uh, our acting it out, um, is is something that is beneficial and good for us. Uh, and it was what we were created to do. Uh, but sometimes we get that backwards. We Making the initial act of salvation a shared act with man. In other words, uh, God acts, but man must decide. Uh, think about all the times people say, well, you know, it's never a gift unless you receive it. You know, salvation is a free gift, unless, but, but you must receive it. Well, that's a shared act, is it not? That's something that you share. In other words, uh, you play a part in that. I had to receive it. Until I received it, it wasn't a gift. Uh, you know, Scripture doesn't speak in those languages, uh, in, in, those, in, those, in those ways of speaking. S- scripture uh, speaks about God's work and what he has done, and it speaks about it in a very, uh, in a very singular uh, way. It doesn't talk about a shared or a, um, a, um, a cooperative effort in salvation. Uh, raising your hand or walking an aisle may par- play an important part in, ma- in you declaring your decision to follow and obey God, but that raising of the hand or praying of that prayer or walking that aisle is not part of the salvation process. It is God's work and God's work alone that redeems us. However, once we're redeemed, once we are redeemed, once we recognize that and and have a uh, has have God's kingdom as our uh, as our home, our God's kingdom as and Him as our King. Once we're redeemed, sanctification itself is something that um, uh, is is something that we play a role on. There are some people who say, "No, no, sanctification is God's work alone. Let go and let God," is what they might say. You know, once I mean, we got it backwards. So many people got it backwards. They make it. They make it a combined effort for salvation. We have to decide. We have to raise our hand. We have to pray this prayer. Uh, but then, when it comes to actual sanctification, uh, they go the other direction. No, no, that's only for God to do. Oh, you can't work too hard. Now it looks like you're trying to work your way to please God. So you need to be careful not to be legalistic, is what people say. Uh, this is backwards. Uh, in fact, it is God's work alone that saves us. Man does have a role in sanctification. Not in creating the works uh, of righteousness, but in following through, living them out. Uh, God has done, uh, has prepared these works for us. We are uh, called as, 
as his disciples, as Yeshua's disciples, were called to live those out, to, to bear the fruit uh, that we were created to bear. It's the following through. It is our doing or our working, his preordained work that brings him glory and sets us apart or sanctifies us. This is what's demonstrable righteousness. This is what is practical or visible righteousness. It is the manifestation of that righteousness that's been imputed to us by Yeshua. That's forensic righteousness. The righteousness when we stand before God, he sees Yeshua's perfect life. Well, it is our duty, it is our purpose to work out to demonstrate that very righteousness. Are we going to be perfect at it? Of course not. And yet, it is what we are called to do. It is what sets us apart. It is what sanctifies us. Is Sanctification, yes, is in fact uh, partially man's responsibility. Go to Genesis chapter 3 verse 7. Look here, it says, uh, Then the eyes of both of them, this is speaking of Adam and, and Eve, after they had sinned, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Here we see that this work, they made themselves, that's Asa, they made themselves coverings. This is a man-made work. And notice, it always fails. It fails in fulfilling God's purpose for us. Fig leaves are very poor dividers. <laughs> They don't really work that well. Titus 3, 1-7 Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. For we ourselves also were once foolish, disobedient, deceiving, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior towards, toward man appeared, not by the works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, through the washing of generation and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly, through Yeshua Messiah, our Savior, that having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs to the hope of eternal life. Notice here we have this wonderful uh, uh, ver- group of verses here that describe the process that talks about how we are supposed to be working every good work, being peaceable, gentle, showing all humility uh, to man, speaking evil of no one, uh, understanding that we were at once foolish, disobedient, deceiving, uh, had lusts and pleasures, carrying on a malice and envy, hateful, uh, and hating one another. But notice that it was not by those works, or the works of every good work even, that which we were saved, not by the works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. So we understand that he redeemed us, he rescued us, he bought us, he purchased us, sealed us with his uh, with his Holy Spirit. And now we are called to walk out the very righteousness that he has poured out abundantly upon us. It is that working out of, it is that working out of salvation, that working through what he has already done. Uh, what we see in these verses, Titus 3, 1 through 7, is a demonstrable righteousness, a practical, visible righteousness which comes from imputed or forensic white righteousness. It comes from the fact that Yeshua is perfect. We can live obediently to God because Yeshua did. 
a lot of times people say, well, you know, I can't, I can't live a perfect life. But what, we're, what we need to all uh, understand is we have been called to follow our Master Yeshua, to follow Him, to imitate Him. It is our calling. No, no, no disciple is above his teacher, but will uh, always seek to imitate his teacher. And, and what we understand is, even though we cannot live perfect lives, it is still our duty to live out righteousness and to live righteously. Um, when, when men take the truth of their nakedness or their shame that they see, they, whatever it is, their sin, and then seek to work for themselves to, to make something to cover that, then that kind of work is an abomination. It's filthy rags. Go to Isaiah 64, 6. And this is oftentimes when people talk about righteousness. Oh, no, no, I have no righteousness except for the righteousness of the Messiah. And comparatively, that is absolutely true. But one of the things we need to understand is when we do the works that God has given us to do, when we obey Him, that is righteousness. It is a living out. It is a righteous living out. He is the one that created it. He's the one that defined it. He's the one that enables us to do it. It is His righteousness, but it is truly righteousness worked out. It's not just imputed to us. We actually are carrying through and doing something righteous in, the, in acting in obedience to him. This is not what Isaiah 64 is speaking of. That is not what it's talking about. It says, but we are like an unclean thing and all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. What is, what is that on right? What is our righteousness are like a filthy rag? That's when we attempt to cover up our own shame. Those works which we use in order to cover up our own shame and sin, that's not a suitable covering. That's not a suitable div- divider between, between what is shameful and what, is, what, what can be seen, as we saw with, uh, with Adam and Eve in, in Genesis chapter 3-7. It's fig leaves. These are fig leaves. Now, the righteousness that comes from imputed righteousness, the demonstrable righteousness, the obedience to God's commandments, uh, are not fig leaves. They're not, they're not simply uh, covering for our sin. They're not, uh, isn't, they're not a way of removing our sin. Their purpose is purely to please God and to bring glory to Him. It is demonstrating on the outside what He has done to, for us on the inside. Go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We can see this uh, specifically in this passage, this uh, well-known passage, uh, Ephesians 2, 10, uh, which uh, starts off uh, by saying, we, For we are his workmanship, created in Messiah Yeshua for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Actually, if you go up a few verses, go up to verse 8. You can see this is the common the most common uh, verse that people would read and then stop reading at verse 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And then verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Messiah Yeshua, for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You need to take both parts of these three verses. The first part is what God has done for us. The second part is how we respond to his love and what he's done for us. We're his workmanship. We've been created for good works. God created them that we should walk in them. Is that my righteousness that I work out? No, it's not my righteousness. It's God's revealed righteousness. 
contained within within his instructions in Scripture. He prepared beforehand that I should walk in them. It's all his and all for his glory. I get no credit for it. It is simply a matter of what I do as a disciple. It's something that I'm called to do. Uh, Turn to Zechariah chapter 3, and we'll read from uh, Zechariah 3, verses 1 through 7. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, and this is the Joshua, Joshua the high priest back in the days of Zechariah. Joshua, the high priest, stand before the angel of the Lord, and, and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments. This reminds us of the Isaiah passage. Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And he said to him, And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head, and they put the clothes on him. And the angel of the Lord stood by. Then the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my ways... And if you will keep my command, then you shall also judge my house, and likewise have charge of my courts, and I will and I will give you places to walk among those who stand here. Here we see that Joshua the high priest's filthy garments were taken away, and clean garments were given to cover his shame. They, they divided between his shame, or they covered his shame. They divided between what was wrong and what was visible or what was right. Graciously given. These garments were graciously given. But then there was a command to obey God. To work it. To assah his commandments. And to walk obediently. Notice, this, this goes right along with what we saw in Ephesians chapter 2. God created. Uh, God redeems. And God, God creates for a purpose, and then he expects us to obey him. Go to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, and we'll start in verse 4 and read through verse 5. You have a few names, even in Sardis. And this is Yeshua speaking. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have, you have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Uh, here we see that we're supposed to walk with him in white garments. Um, the white garments were given in the, the congregation of Sardis. The white garments were given. The garments were given as a covering, again, a dividing between, uh, between shame and acceptance. They were given but then the command was given to walk obediently with him while clothed in these white garments. Go to Hebrews chapter 13 and we'll start reading in verse 20 and go through verse 21. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Yeshua from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Messiah Yeshua, to whom be glory forever and ever. 
understand that God has done everything that is necessary to, to save us, to redeem us, in verse 20, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Through Messiah Yeshua, who he, is ra- who he has raised from the dead. But then he says, may he make you complete in every good work to do his will. Working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight. I, I submit that you cannot, you cannot uh, have God working in you and not see it being evidenced by what you do or what you work uh, on the outside, the two must go together. We are we are made complete by Him, perfectly complete by Him in every good work to do His will. What we need to be doing is doing what pleases Him. Pleases what pleases Him is His revealed righteousness, which we read in Scripture. Uh, we don't have to guess. We don't have to say, "Well, the Holy Spirit will tell me what to do." He has told us what to do. A lot of people talk about the fact that they're seeking to know God's will. You know, they're praying, should I get this job? Should I move to this city? Should I, should I uh, marry this person? Should we have children? How many children should we have? All of these decisions that we pretend to make, uh, seeking God's will, and oftentimes we miss the very, the very fact that we can know that we are perfectly in His will at any moment when we're in obedience to His revealed instructions, His commandments. You can know that when you're obeying Him, you're in His will. And you know, all those other things that we worry about, I wonder if I'm going to be in His will, I wonder if I'll make the right decision, those things are far, far less important if we are simply obeying what He has told us. I I am often amazed by people who are seeking to know God's will for their lives or seeking to make a decision which they they think uh, they want it to be God's will and yet openly disobey Him what He's specifically said in His Word. Uh, why would we think that we can openly disobey him and what he said in his word specifically in any moment of any day and still think that he would, he would uh, respond to us and reveal something far greater in our mind at least uh, whether I should move here or there or whether I should take this job or not. Uh, why, why, why don't we start with the things that we, we know for sure what he's told us for sure that he wants. If we'll start there, we'll, fi- we'll find, I believe, far less issues with making decisions on things that aren't so obvious or not revealed in His Word. Uh, those decisions might be just made for us. If we'll obey Him first, maybe it's, not a, maybe it's not a big decision whether you should take that job or not. If we'll obey Him first, maybe it's not a big decision whether you should marry that person or not. Uh, because if you obey Him first, Maybe it'll already be decided. Maybe that will make the decision. God's word is full of instructions. Uh, traditionally, we know there are 613 commandments in the in the in, in the Torah. 613 commandments. Have you have you chosen to obey them, or do you purposefully disobey them? Have you chosen to seek them out and to delight in them, or are you constantly trying to find reasons why they don't apply to you? Do you want to know his will? Start there. That's his will. That's his will. Revelation 19, verse 8. This is speaking of his people. His people, his people Israel, who are, who are called by his name, redeemed, redeemed with his outstretched arms. Here we see it. And to her, speaking of his people, 
the bride. To her it was given to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts, the works of the saints. Here we see that, that it's, it's clothing, clothing made up by our works, our deeds, the things that we do, the obedience that we, that we exercise. Those are our works. That's our work. That's what we were prepared for, or that's what we were created for. Those works are what He prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, as we saw in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. This is what we will be clothed with. This is what will divide between the shame and acceptance. Now, do we have the imputed, the forensic righteousness of Messiah that clothes us? Absolutely. And there's nothing that can get through that. In, in that kind of covering, in the covering and the clothing given to us by Messiah, His righteousness, it is absolute and perfect. And yet God still expects us to walk faithfully according to what we have been called. That same level of righteousness into which we have been called uh, can I be can I be completely uh, um, obedient all the time? Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm often disobedient. I often bring shame to him. Uh, I uh, am often find myself lacking in living out the righteousness that God's called me to live, and yet it's something I have. Uh, I continue to have to be kip- picking myself back up off the ground, dusting myself off, and understanding that my failure is my failure, and yet my obedience is credit to Him. It is what He would redeem, He has redeemed me for. He alone receives glory for my obedience. He alone receives the, 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 the praise and the honor for what I do in faithfulness to what He's called me to do. It is what I was created to do. It is what I was saved to do. It was what I have been redeemed. It is what I have been empowered to do by the Holy Spirit. Why, who else could get the credit except the one that created those, that, that righteousness? It's Him. And it's Him alone. And we know that uh, God has called us not only to be redeemed uh, and to someday uh, be declared righteous, but He's called us to live a righteous life now. How do we live righteously? By working. By doing it. Or as the, as the old commercial used to say, just do it. Don't think about it. Don't analyze it. Don't go on and on and figure out how, you can, how it really applies to you. We'll make it into a spiritual thing or not. Simply do it. You read it in His Word. His revealed righteousness. You read it. He says, do this. And the servant of the Almighty says, yes, Lord, I'll do that. That is doing. That is working. That is what we have been called to do. So how are you working? What are you working for? And is work a noun? Do you go to work? Is that your job? Or is work a verb for you? Something that you do? God bless you. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you that you have called us into the perfect uh, righteousness of Messiah. You have redeemed us by your grace and, and we appropriate that through the faith that you have uh, 
enabled us to appropriate. Father, we thank you that by faith uh, we can see these things. By faith we live. Even act out righteousness that you have called us to act out. We act out by faith, standing steadfast, unwavering, knowing that our reward is to come and that you will bring it with you. Father, we stand before you, not being clothed with our own works, our own efforts to hide our shame, our own efforts to cover our sin, knowing full well that it is by your work and your work alone that our sin is taken away, that Messiah alone has dealt with our sin. But Father, knowing full well that the righteousness that he lived out and lives out has been given us to, to us to walk out now. So that when men and women see us, they might see us imitating the righteous one. Cause us to walk faithfully in your righteousness, we pray. In Yeshua's name. Amen.